Acts chapter 5, verses 11 through 16. If you remember last time we studied, it's been a couple weeks ago because of the, the conference. Uh, the last time we studied, um, there was the issue of that dishonesty. Ananias and Sapphira, they had kept back part of a purchase and, and lied about it. And afterward, they both died. And we'll pick up the account in verse 11. It says, And great fear came upon all the church, and upon as many as heard these things. As we're going to read through the passage today, that that fear extended even past Jerusalem and the neighboring cities. But that fear, that reverence toward God, it was toward God that folks had fear. Uh, it wasn't reverence toward the apostles. And we're going to read that in just, just a few minutes. But it was a fear toward God. There used to be a saying that someone was a God-fearing man or a God-fearing person. People used to say that this is a God-fearing nation. And that phrase, maybe some of you all have never heard that, and it's certainly not true any longer by and large. This is not a God-fearing nation. And most people who even say or claim to be God-fearing, they truly are not. Um, you could, that, that's evidenced in the way people live their lives. If someone truly fears the police, then they will honor the speed limit, not just when they see the policeman behind the door. If they truly, or around the corner, that is. If they truly feared God, if, people, if I truly feared God, and people truly feared God as we ought, then it would be a demonstration of our lives that, that fear uh, would be evident. So these people fearing God, great fear came upon all the church and upon as many as heard these things. But I tell you, if there's no fear in the church, why in the world would any of the world, the ungodly, have fear? Yeah. If there was no fear of God, listen to me carefully. If there was no fear of God in Jesus Christ, because he did tell sinners to repent, he sweat drops of blood for the fear of God and the judgment of sin that he was about to take on himself. Jesus Christ took the reverence of God. He did all things that the Father commanded him, didn't he? If, if the fear of God is not in the people of God, if, it, if great fear had not first come upon all the church, then why would anybody else fear? If there's not a holy reverence toward God, among us why would anybody else fear so i encourage you today that truly you would have a great reverence toward god why did great fear come upon the church because they saw as these people ananias and sapphira as they dealt dishonestly in the things of god and their lives were taken by god himself it should bring us to a humility and a reverence toward God that we do move among him and simply trust him and do as he says. Fear of God came upon him. May the fear of God be upon us, come upon us today. And in doing so, great fear come upon as many as heard these things. Well, how did they hear him? Well, the people in the church there, I don't believe in the universal church, the local church, the church of Jerusalem, it was widely noised, I believe, that even the people of God dealing dishonestly, that God will not be mocked. Fear came upon, reverence toward God came upon all people. In our ministry, in the ministry of this assembly, I, I submit to you that it should be a ministry of reverence toward God. When you tell sinners to repent, not if, when, you tell sinners to repent. It should be done with a holy reverence toward God, knowing that the end of all men and their sin is judgment. Reverence toward God. When we deal with one another, provoking one another in love and good works, it should be done in a reverence toward God. Honestly speaking, in, in a time, a holiday season, there is no reverence toward God in, in many pulpits and many assemblies. Do as you please. Comfort yourselves. It's okay. Where is the fear of God? Fear came upon. Fear came upon. Great fear came upon all the church and as many as heard these things. 
And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. Now, I want you to notice the parenthetical here. It's important. Okay? Parentheses. Put your eyes on it, please. The parentheses. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. Who is the they? It's the Lord's church. And the rest durst no man join himself to them. Who's the them? It's the apostles. Who's the rest? The rest of the church. There are many people that say that it's the outside wouldn't come in, but it's the people in the assembly would not would not approach, join unto the apostles, but the people of the assembly, again in parentheticals, magnified them. And believers were the more added to the Lord. Who are we talking about? We're still talking about the Lord's assembly. Multitudes, both of men and women, in parentheticals. So before the parentheses, in verse 12, the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. In the uh, verse 15, after the parentheses, insomuch that they brought forth the sick into the streets and laid them on the beds and couches, that at the least of the, the shadow of Peter passing by them might some uh, might excuse me that at the least the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. There came also a multitude out of the cities round about Jerusalem, bringing sick folks, and them which were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed every one. Be considering for a few minutes this morning the subject, many signs and wonders, and that, that comes from verse 12, and by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. Many signs and wonders. These were apostolic gifts. Okay, what do I mean by apostolic? Pertaining to the apostles. Apostolic gifts. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, the Lord speaking to the apostles says, But ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. In chapter 2, verses 3 through 6, And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And, were filled, and there were at Jerusalem Jews, devout men, out of every nation under heaven. And when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded, because that every man heard them speak in their own language. Verse 11 through verse 24. Verse 11 says, Cretes and Arabians, we do hear them speak in our tongue the wonderful works of God. And you recall through verse 24 how that Peter was telling them that Christ must come for the salvation of his people, for forgiveness of sins. <coughs> At hearing this, in verses 36 and 38 through 38, they say, what do we do? He said, repent and be baptized every one of you. Repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name or reputation, fame or glory of Jesus Christ for the remission or forgiveness of sin. Through that, in chapter 3, verses 11 through 19, remember that lame man that was healed. And what did Peter say concerning these gifts? Okay, Acts chapter 3, verse 11 says, And as the lame man which was healed by uh, held Peter and John, all the people ran together unto them in the porch that is called Solomon's greatly wandering. And when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, Ye men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? Or why look ye so earnestly on us, as though by our own power or holiness we had made this man to walk? The God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, hath Glorify his son Jesus, whom he delivered up and denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But he denied the Holy One and the just and desired a murderer to be granted unto you, and killed the Prince of Life, who God hath raised from the dead, whereof we are witnesses. And his name, Jesus Christ, through faith in his name, hath made this man strong. Whom you see and know, yea, the faith which is by him hath given him, this man, this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. 
these apostolic gifts, the many signs and the wonders that we're reading of in chapter 5. Lex, please, uh, get me some water, please. These gifts that we are reading of in chapter 5 are gifts that God had given these people at that particular time as an evident token of the work of God. These gifts were to promote the gospel of Jesus Christ on every hand. In chapter 1, he said, the Spirit would come, and you'll testify of me. In chapter 2, the work of the tongues was there, and the gospel was sounded. In chapter 3, a man was healed. And what happened? Peter declared the gospel. The evidence of these, thank you, the, uh, the, the purpose of these gifts every time was not to point to themselves, but to, uh, but to promote the gospel and to, and to give uh, evidence and authentication of the gospel work itself. Yeah. If you were to recall what can be read in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 concerning some of these gifts. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, begin reading in verse 8. It says, charity never fell. So what's charity? It's love, Right? Specifically, love is perfected in the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's unfailing, never failing. Charity never fails. It never ceases. It never ends. Whether there be prophecies, and that word prophecy means a divine discourse from God. People think that they have dreams from God and they have interpretations from God. <clears throat> They, uh, they have a, a private conversation with God, many claim. <coughs> so whether it be prophecies, it, it, the, you know, when folks say, oh, yes, I have a word from the Lord. I have, I have this from God. Run. Because prophecies, it says, whether it be prophecies, they shall fail. Yeah. Not that the Bible would not turn out to be true. But the coming in of prophecy, divine discourses from God, shall fail. Okay, listen. Whether there be tongues, the, the speaking of tongues. Paul in the previous chapter was talking about uh, the, the, the gifts of tongues and interpretation and all that kind of stuff. Speaking with other nations, having understanding. If I speak English and you speak German, I speak Ger I speak English, you hear German, right? All understanding. What's he say? Tongues. They shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, and that's a word of knowledge. People think they have a word, word of knowledge that the Spirit, again, speaks to them privately outside of the Word of God. And at some point that did happen. Because it says, it shall vanish away. That means it was here and now it's gone. Yeah. Okay? To fail and to vanish in verse 8 are the same Greek word. It means to become inoperative, to inactivate, to become unemployed, to done away with, terminated. Okay? These things shall cease. Verse 8 means to desist or quit, leave off. So these types of gifts... They would go away, and at some point, they, they have to go away. Why? Because the Word of God says they have to go away. Right? I'm glad they were here, but they're not anymore, and that's for the glory of God on both ends. When do they go away? Verse 9 says, well, we know in part, and we prophesy in part. Well, right now, when Paul was writing, that is, these things that, that are of knowledge and of prophecy and interpretation and divine discourse he tells us right there that it's incomplete because it's in part. It's incomplete. But when that which is perfect has come, what, what's that? That's, what is that? When does it go away? It's, it's the completion of knowledge and prophecy. When that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part shall vanish, shall be done away. So what's going to be done away? Prophecy, tongues, knowledge, associated to apostolic gifts. Yeah. Why? They're not needed anymore. 
What was the purpose of these signs and wonders to authenticate the gospel? Okay, authenticate the gospel. What is, the, and I'm going to jump ahead here just because it's so exciting. What is the, when we read in Acts chapter 5, these many signs and wonders and everybody bringing in these people being healed and they're sick and there's, there's um, you know, the, the evil spirits being cast out and all that kind of stuff. What's the most exciting part of that passage? It's verse 14. And believers were the more added to the Lord. That is the central portion of this passage. There are many people that may have been sick. I've been sick before. You've been sick before. What's the greatest thing that ever happened to you? You were added to the Lord. Amen. The great thing of this passage is not the signs and wonders. The great thing of this passage is faith and repentance granted unto, unto sinners unto Jesus, to, toward Jesus Christ. So that which is perfect has come. I believe it's the completed word of God. When that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part shall be done away. Now in verse 11, he speaks of maturity. At the time of Acts chapter 5, you could say that the, the early church, it was, in, it was still yet immature. Think about that. If they had those signs and wonders in a time of immaturity, you're talking about Peter, James, John, the apostles, right? You're talking about some of the giants, you could say, in church history. They, they, they lived in a time of, of spiritual immaturity in the church. He says in verse 11, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 11, When I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, I was immature. When I was immature, I was immature, he's saying. But when I became a man, when maturity came, I put away childish things. What's put away? These apostolic gifts. Why? Because that which is perfect has come. Now we see through a glass or a mirror or darkly. Now he's saying, he's saying that before that which is perfect has come. He's saying that before the completion of the word of God. He's saying that through a lens of immaturity. But then face to face. Then when that which is perfect has come. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as I am known. Again, the completion of the word of God. When all those gifts are done away with, when understanding and maturity has come, when the word of God completed is revealed unto men. And now abide of faith, hope, and charity. But these things, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. Why are we saying that? Some say at the resurrection. Some others say at the second coming, that which is perfect shall come. And indeed, Jesus Christ is perfect, and I don't want to say that he's not. Others say at the kingdom, these gifts will be done away with. But it appears through that passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, that, this, that, that, that the apostolic gifts, the signs and the wonders, would cease at the completion of the word of God. They would cease, and there'd be no more need for them. Jesus tells us something along, the Lord Jesus tells us something along these lines. In John chapter 12, uh, 20, look at this please, John chapter 20. I like to look at the word of God when it's being read because it just, it leaves an imprint. Yeah. John chapter 20, verse 29. After he presented himself to the apostles, Thomas, oh, show me your hands and your feet. Verse 29, Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. There are many that believe because of signs and wonders, and God had given those signs and wonders for the purpose that people would believe. Christ said concerning himself that in John chapter 6, you, you don't believe me because of this, you don't follow me because of the signs and wonders, but you came to be fed. These gifts at that time, even the miracles worked by Christ himself, were given for a time that people would see and believe. But through maturity, Christ says, blessed are those that don't see signs and wonders, yeah. but believe at the very word of God, at the very, at the very preaching that Christ has risen. So maturity.
It appears that signs and wonders and the need for those things are for a time of immaturity, but now that the word of God being completed has come, that we are in a, in a time of maturity, spiritually, you can say. Having God's perfect work, it's apparent that the apostolic gifts have died, and it died with them. If you look through history, those gifts and everything about them from the time John, the revelator, died, up until about 1901, nobody was talking in tongues. Nobody was, was casting out demons. That stuff, that historically, that stuff, you can't find it. And then a man decided in his Bible college in 1901 that he could speak in tongues, and boom, here you have the, the quote, Pentecostal movement. Yeah. It went away. But what stays? Again, this, the testimony of love. Charity does not go away. Charity remains. What's the evident token of, of the Lord Jesus Christ? It's his gospel that he died, was buried, and rose again for his people. What's the evident token of the Lord's assembly? The preaching of the gospel. That's what they did. You can see that through the, through the course of the book of Acts, that as, as time was going forward, yes, those gifts were there, and there were things that happened, but at every place they preached the gospel. Yeah. As we continue today, I don't, I don't cast out demons. I don't speak in tongues. I don't have dreams and visions and prophecy and knowledge and all this stuff. What do we have? We have the greater. The preaching of the word of God in its completion, in its entirety. So then at these signs and wonders, a lot of folks want to get dialed in in, in, in our text, Acts chapter 5, verses 11 through 16. When great fear came upon all the church, it wasn't because of the apostles working signs and wonders. It was because holy and reverend is the name of God. When people were coming by, uh, to, the, to the apostles, bringing uh, the, 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 the people to the apostles to help with their infirmities and to cast out demons, why were they doing that? Verse 14, believers were the more added to the Lord. It's a, it's a, it, it, the, whole, the whole central idea is the gospel of Jesus Christ and salvation of sinners from their sins. These apostles were merely tools in the hands of God, it says, and by the hands of the apostles. But the apostles themselves were merely tools in the, hand, in the hands of God. And Peter, we read that just a moment ago. Don't look on us like we've done some things. This was done by God yeah. for the purpose that you would hear and, and adhere to, that you would trust his gospel. I'm glad that there are no signs and wonders today. Because I believe the word of God and I believe Jesus Christ himself. He said, blessed are they that, that believe and have not seen. Praise Aren't you glad about that? Think about that. The Jews had all these signs and wonders from the time they walked out of Egypt. Yet some of them didn't believe. Woe unto them. But God in his infinite grace and his wonderful mercy and his love toward his people, he granted you a faith that by the Spirit of God, you would simply just believe these things because they are told unto you by God's Holy Word. You don't have to see it written in the sky. You, you, don't, you, don't, you, don't, you don't have to, by faith, by faith, the expectation, the evidence of things not seen, faith. So in this, they also you can also see, and this is a delicate subject, the respect for the office. Okay, think about this. It's a delicate subject. When it says that the rest does not join themselves to them, the apostles, but the people magnified them. That word "magnify" means highly esteem or respected. Okay. Now I'm I believe that in a human sense that that respect is earned. I really believe that. On one hand, they're just people. Look at this. Acts chapter 10. Look, re, Follow along here. It says they magnified them. They're just people. Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10 and verse 24 through 26. Please read this. Acts chapter 10, verse 24 through 26. And the morrow after they entered into Caesarea the, and Cornelius waited for them, 
and had called together his kinsmen and near friends. And Peter was coming in. Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter took him up, saying, Stand up. I myself also am a man. They weren't to worship Peter. And Peter, if, if he knew what people were doing, there's no way Peter would authorize popery or the worshiping of Peter as is done through Catholicism today. He, he, he would be disgusted at the idea. Yep. Acts chapter 14, verses 8 through 5. Chapter, Acts chapter 14, verses 8 through 5. And a certain... And there sat a certain man at Lystra, impotent in his feet, being crippled from his mother's womb, who, who had never walked. And then the same heard Peter, uh, Paul speak, the same heard Paul speak, who steadfastly beholding him and perceiving he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, Stand up, right on thy feet. And he leaped up and walked. And the people saw what Paul had done and lifted up their voices, saying in the speech of Lyconia, the gods are come down to us in the likeness of men, and they called Barnabas, Jupiter, and Paul, Mercurius, because he was the chief speaker. Then the priest of Jupiter, which was before their city, brought oxen and garlands under the gates and would have done sacrifice with the people, which when the apostles, Barnabas and Paul, heard of, they rent their clothes and ran in among the people, crying out and saying, Sirs, why do you these things? We also are men of like passions with you and preach unto you that you should turn from these vanities unto the living God, which made heaven and earth and the sea and all things that are therein. Likewise, Paul would have been disgusted if he saw what monument is made of him. No, the preaching of the gospel, the, these men, and, and as they magnified or, or esteemed them in their office, these men knew they were just men in the hands of God and working the works of God. In Revelation chapter 19, you would think that, that if any messenger would, would take honor unto themselves, it would be the messenger that was used to give, to give part of the revelation unto John. But in Revelation chapter 19 and verse 9, and he saith unto me, Right, blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, These are the sayings, the true sayings of God. And I fell at his feet to worship him. And he said unto me, See thou do it not. I am thy fellow servant and of the brethren that have testified the testimony of Jesus. The focus is on Jesus Christ. Yeah. Worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Truly, these men... As they were magnified or esteemed, they were not to be worshipped, nor do I nor do I perceive that they called to be worshipped. But they were at the same time, there's an office that they were called to. So we have to be careful here, but I'll, and, I'll, and I will say we only worship Jesus Christ. Yeah. And there's no but in that, there's no and in that. We worship Jesus Christ. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 12 through 13. He says, We beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. So there are people that are set in stations by God. Every one of us in this place is set by God in his assembly. And to esteem them, or to, to give honor unto them, very highly in love for their work's sake, and be at peace among yourselves. Why? The emphasis is on the finished work of Jesus Christ. Being called of God, these men at that time were indeed magnified. They, they were esteemed, or they were respected. I suppose there used to be a time when if someone said that they were a minister of God, that they would be respected in the community. That there was a time that people would hold their language or hold their tongue. That they would deal with them honestly, fearing God, not wanting to, to even uh, bring an accusation against one of the men of God for fear of God. These people would not even come close to them. They, they, they esteemed them. 1 Timothy chapter 5. And again, not because of any great thing that they had done, but because of the office that God had put them in. 
1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 17 through 19. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 17 through 19. Let the elders that rule well be accounted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. For the scripture saith, Thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn, and the laborer is worthy of his reward. Against an elder receive not an accusation. There's a lot of people who take an accusation against the elder. Boom, right now. Oh, did you hear about old pastor so-and-so? Don't even hear it. But before two or three witnesses. Seriousness. The seriousness of the office brings a respect unto God and toward the men of God. Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13. Again, the central idea of the passage at hand in Acts chapter 5 is the work of God and salvation towards sinners. He did use means to do that. As you turn to Hebrews chapter 13, y'all ever, uh, y'all ever done anything in your private life that you wouldn't dare do in the church house? Everybody shake your head yes. <laughs> you wouldn't dare do it in the church house. Why not? What's special about these walls? They're consecrated to the Lord. They're set aside for the worship of Jesus Christ. Steel, brick, wood, carpet, lighting, wiring, plumbing, PVC, whatever. It's set apart unto the, unto the worship of God. It's dedicated. It's, it's consecrated unto the Lord. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 7. Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God. So these apostles were consecrated to the Lord, to their office. I believe elders, pastors, and deacons likewise are, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation of the way of life, the, the dedication there. So, so because of Jesus Christ and his, and his gospel, there are men that are set aside unto that living. Verse 13. Excuse me, verse 17. Obey them that have rule over you and submit yourselves. A lot of kids don't have any, any um, esteem toward their parents and therefore they do not submit themselves to their parents. Adults have that issue as well. So one having esteem toward another would then submit themselves to another. If I don't, if I don't esteem my boss, I'm not going to do what he says. Okay. If I don't esteem God, if I don't fear God, I'm not going to do what he says. Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls, as they that must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. I would encourage you. Not to worship me in any way. And I hope you know me better than that, that I would say that you should worship me anyway. But for the fear of God, I ask that you would pray for me. Yeah. And for the fear of God, I do ask that you would respect me and the Lord, knowing that I watch out for your soul. And I want you to cast as many crowns at the feet of the Lord as possible. Humanly speaking, that is. And I would delight for you not to go... Uh, after error and I would delight for you to, to, to live a life that is pleasing unto the Lord these men were not magnified or esteemed because they had perceived magic powers but because God was using them in the advancement of the gospel and saving of souls and building his church as he promised he would I will build my church he said in Matthew 16 we would do right to Esteem one another greatly. But please see what's said in the passage there. Verse 14, I believe, is the, the central wonder of this passage. Verse 14, and believers were the more added to the Lord. Multitudes, both of men and women. You know, the Lord still saves in multitudes today. Isn't that, isn't that great? I've never seen it, but I've heard it. I've heard of a time, one church in particular, the entire families were being saved, added. They were adding services throughout the week. People were craving, couldn't get enough. There was an explosion in an assembly. Could the Lord do the same today? Well, when did he change? Yes, he could do the same. We should desire 
we should desire that believers be added to the Lord by the multitudes. In Matthew chapter 28, I believe that believers being added to the Lord by the multitudes continues the pattern that the Lord set forth or the Lord had spoken of in Matthew chapter 28 when he speaks of his commission. I like to, I, I could quote it. I like to turn to it. I'm having trouble connecting. To I like to turn to it so it just further ingrains in my brain. Matthew 28, verse 18, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. All power, all authority, all ability, heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. I believe that happened in Acts chapter 5 and verse 14. Because they were added to the Lord. And it continues that same pattern. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even, uh, even unto the end of the world or the age. Amen. Same thing that the Lord spoke of in Luke 24. Same thing the Lord spoke of and uh, Peter spoke of in Acts chapter 2. Same thing that happened in Acts chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. And as they spake unto the people, the, the, uh, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead, and they laid hands on them and put them in hold in the next day, for it was now eventide. Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed. And the number of the men was about 5,000. I believe they were added unto the Lord's assembly. People were being saved. That's the wonder. That, that's the signs and the wonders there of great emphasis. Not of the healing of the sick, not of the casting out of demons, but salvation of souls. What's the great, again, what's the greatest thing that ever happened to you? Was it being pulled out of a sick bed? Was it being delivered by, uh, out, of, out of the clutches of, of a demon? Or was it the salvation of your soul? That's right. One can be saved without signs and wonders, but not without the new birth according to the gospel of Jesus Christ, and not by God adding them uh, by that work. I was saved without signs and wonders. I, I didn't. I, 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 apostolic, that is. But one cannot be saved outside the work of God and salvation. One cannot be saved outside of the preaching of the gospel. That's what it says in Romans chapter 10. You can't learn of salvation through Buddha or Allah or, or Mother God or whatever they want to call it. No, salvation comes only in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Why were people coming to John's baptism of Matthew chapter 3? Have they, have they seen a sign and wonder? No, they came repenting and confessing their sins. One can be a member of a church without signs and wonders. But one cannot be a member of the Lord's assembly without authoritative baptism. I see in verse 14 the work of God and authoritative baptism. And believers were the more added to the Lord. Well, where do you get that they were authoritative baptism? Where do you get that? Acts chapter 2. And verse 47, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church, not universal, local, visible, authoritative. The Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Signs and wonders have ceased. Thank God the Lord still saves his people and still keeps his promise that he would add to and continue through his church until the end of the age. Thank God. Thank God that this is not tied up in signs and wonders. It's based on the work and the promise of Jesus Christ. This happened in Jerusalem, and it happened outside of Jerusalem. It says in verses 15 and, 15 and 16, so much as they brought forth the, the sick into the uh, streets, laid them on the beds and couches, that the least of the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. They mentioned Peter because he was the most vocal here. It's not that he had more powers than everybody else. He was more vocal in the gospel and his name was more recognized. There came also a multitude out of the city round about unto Jerusalem. So outside. The fame of Christ was growing. Okay. 
It's great if people inside this assembly, if the Lord were to save the unsaved in this assembly. But you know, when the fame of the Lord grows, people outside hear of it. That's what happened. People like a spectacle, though. Yeah, you know, there's not very many people here this morning. There's not much of a spectacle going on in men's eyes. Well, if we just understood that God Almighty and of his holy angels are in this building, that's quite a spectacle. But people love a spectacle. Some make the case that this crowd was there simply for some advantage, to be healed of something. Some make the case that the signs and wonders are the central tone of this passage. And, and, and I believe that those cases are wrong. I believe sincerely that this passage, the parenthetical, explains it to us that these people were believers and they were pressing toward Jesus Christ. Verse 14. And believers were the more added to the Lord. Multitudes, both of men and women. These people weren't coming trusting in themselves or desiring some quick fix scheme. This passage, I believe, speaks of those that were trusting not on the apostles and not in signs and wonders, but in the finished work of Jesus Christ. The name of Christ was evident, and his name was blazed abroad. At the name of Jesus, trusting in Jesus. Well, what do you mean? Look at what the Lord himself said in John chapter 3. John chapter 3 and verse 13. And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent to the wilderness, in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. I believe just as much as, yes, those people were healed, but they were looking unto Jesus to be healed. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. They were, they were believing in him. And the evident token of their belief that they had believed and had been added unto the Lord. The evident token of their belief in that day were the signs and wonders of their healing of the diseases. The sign and wonder of this passage is the Lord Jesus Christ saving his people from their sins. That, that's the blazing mark of this passage. The outward signs and wonders simply authenticated the inward work that God had done. The, the sick being brought in on the beds and couches and those that had unclean spirits. And in and, and verse 16, the last part, they were healed every one is an evident token that God had healed them inside. Yeah. Remember when the Lord himself said, thy sins be forgiven? Then he, they said, who can forgive sins? He said, what's well, easier? Take up your bed or your sins are forgiven. So all these people will know your sins are forgiven. Take up your bed. These people had experienced the work of God and salvation, and the evident token of that work was shown outwardly. Outward signs and wonders authenticated the inward work of God. Through his church, specifically through his apostles in Acts chapter 5. The people were healed. We just read that, verses 15 and 16. Now, we already understand, and I, and I hope you believe also, that apostolic gifts have ceased. There's no more uh, laying on of hands to the curing of leprosy and that kind of stuff. God can, God can do whatever he wants, but these it seems as though these, these gifts have ceased. You know, the Lord still heals people, though. Don't ever think he doesn't heal people. And what do I mean? The gospel heals the vexed. The disturbed, that's what it says, vexed, disturbed, troubled, harassed, or molested. I know without controversy, I was vexed in sin, troubled in sin. I know without controversy that being granted faith in Jesus Christ, though in this flesh, Paul was still had a hard time with sin, didn't he? Read Romans chapter 7. But I know that disturbing, troublesome time of being oppressed and depressed by sin as an unbeliever, that was healed by Jesus Christ and his gospel. Done away with. My hope is in him. My assurance is in him. 
My failings, my sin are nothing but grief and sorrow. Thank God for the gospel of Jesus Christ. If someone had been sick and yet their sins had remained, what good would it be? I know these were healed everyone. I believe they were healed. They were healed spiritually, granted faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Those believers that were added unto the Lord did not stay the same way that they were, did they? No, they were healed. I believe this teaches of the the efficacious or, or effectiveness, the doability of the work of God and salvation. If someone says that they have that they believe in Christ and they've been added unto the Lord and yet they continue being oppressed in every way and not healed in every way, not healed in Jesus Christ, there's a problem there. Why call you me Lord and not do the things I say? I believe that there is a change. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. First, Second Corinthians five seventeen. A new creature. A new creation. I believe, based on the gospel of Jesus Christ, that when he makes someone alive, that they are alive indeed. And that those that would preach otherwise, preach contrary to the word of God. Look, Jude, verse 4. It says, For there are certain men crept in unawares, who were before of old ordained to this condemnation ungodly men turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness. What's that saying? That that the grace of God according to salvation does not heal. And denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ, that's what it does. It denies the power of God and salvation. If someone is added to the Lord, they will be healed. Will they be perfect? No. Am I perfect? No. But there will be healing. God will make a change. As sure as Christ rose from the dead, God will make a change. And it will be no subtle thing either. Romans chapter 6 and verse 4. Therefore we are buried. And and you know what? These people coming in from all over, it was no subtle thing. We're going to read next time. How, how the, the Jewish leadership, oh, they were outraged by it. Verse number four, Romans 6, 4. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism in the death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father. So just as much power as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Yeah. Healed. It's garbage for someone to say they can be saved, but there'll be no evidence of healing. These people. Now, I want to say this, too. You know, sometimes people say, well, you know, well, yeah, yeah. 20 years ago, they were this, but now they're this. I don't believe he sent these people home on some some kind of long term therapy program. I don't believe that he he said, you know what? If you take this round of antibiotics, you know, okay, so somebody has a toe fungus, you got to take a certain antifungal for 12 weeks before it'll clear your toenails out. I don't think he's sending these people home with a to- with a toenail fungus remedy, a 12 week program. I believe these people were healed everyone on the spot. Why do I believe that? Because I've experienced salvation. I know I was one thing and then I was another thing. I know I was dead and now I'm alive. I know the impact that God has on salvation. Does someone continue to grow? Absolutely. But to say that someone can be saved and not know it and nobody around them know that they're saved and then 10 years later, oh yeah, I'm saved. That's not biblical. The gospel heals the vexed. And you know what? It doesn't say this directly. But don't you know those people that were sick and had, were vexed with unclean spirits? How, how well do you think they kept it to themselves? Oh, yeah, the Lord saved me 10 years ago, but I kept it to myself. But I'm saved. No, they're healed everyone. That's right. They were healed. 
They were healed. They were believers. They were added to the Lord. They were in the Lord's assembly. They were rocking and rolling. They gave thanks unto God. And everybody around them knew it too. People were healed. That principle hasn't changed, I don't believe. The outward sign and wonder of salvation is evident in the way people's lives are changed according to the gospel. What happened to so-and-so? Lord save them. We'll read in months to come when Paul was brought by Barnabas to those at Jerusalem. They were afraid of him. Why? Because he was killing them. Well, now they weren't afraid of him anymore. Why? Because the testimony of his mouth and the way he lived, he joined themselves unto them. He was healed. And everybody knew it. Children of God, the most important issue of this passage is the gospel of Jesus Christ being preached unto the salvation of the people of God. That's right. Those that do that work, be careful to honor them. Be careful not to worship them. Honor them for Christ's sake in the office that they are appointed unto. Do not worship them. Apostolic signs and wonders have ceased, but the but the God of doing continues. He continues to say, he continues to add unto his assembly. We should expect those that are healed in the gospel to be really relieved of their sinful vexation. We should expect the work of God in salvation. It's one thing for me to say, God has saved me. It's another thing for me to say with my life, God has saved me. Sin and hear the gospel. And believers were the more added to the Lord. Believers of what? People believed at the preaching of the word of God that they were indeed sinners. People believed that of themselves they had no hope, no assurance, no salvation. There's nothing they could do, would do. There's nothing they can think it's impossible for man to save himself. They believed that. They believed that Jesus was the Son of God. They believed that Jesus is the Christ, the fit substitute, that he, that he, uh, that, uh, his name and the preaching of repentance, that one turning from the self and turning to the finished work of Jesus Christ, one may have life. They believed that. They believed that by the power of God. They believed that he died, was buried, and rose again. They believed that. They believed that, and they were added. That's important, verse 14. They were added. If you're making a recipe, calls for ingredients. Those ingredients don't add themselves, do they? Now pick them up and add them. God adds. God saves. You can't do it. He can. Cry out unto the Lord. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Says in the book of Joel, Peter repeated it at least a few times. So did Paul. Repent, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. May the Lord bless the preaching of his word.